On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will touch on this week in futures where we'll look at a rising star Oklahoma State who seems to get better and better every week despite the fact that we seem to want to bet against them every week. We'll probably bet on the Jets because that's what we do here. And we'll talk a little bit about NFL scoring. Is it gone? Is it down? Is the first two weeks indicative? Is it signal or is it noise? Rufus has some interesting stats that might help us understand this. We'll also try to do better than we did last week in our super contest picks, which won't be hard. Um, and then we'll give you survivor picks as always. Um, as always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the best way for you to track games, track what you bet, get up-to-date lines, and get great content. It's available free on the iTunes store at Sports Action. So with that, let's start the process. <laughs> Welcome to episode five of Bet the Process, where Rufus Peabody and I, two, as we've mentioned, ex-exiled, I guess we are not ex-exiled, but ex-ESPN predictive analytics experts, try to educate you on gambling analytics um, and all things that are fun in the sports betting world. So jumping into our first segment, which is always This Week in Futures, I want to ask you, Rufus, we talked last week a little bit about Oklahoma State. Obviously, there was a lot of buzz about uh, Pittsburgh being a good bet at home against them. That that line even went from uh, Pittsburgh plus 14, I think, which was the high point. And I think at game time, it went off at Pittsburgh plus 11 and a half. So certainly there was a lot of sharp and maybe not so sharp money on Pittsburgh there. Um, it's a classic case of uh, just because you beat the closing line, it sometimes means nothing. Obviously, Oklahoma State went out and crushed them. I think that oh, they, them, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I think that the the next stop that Pittsburgh gets will be the first stop of the game, um, and the game's over, so they're probably <laughs> not going to get a stop at all. Uh, but what do you what do you think about Oklahoma State now? Obviously, that this is a team that we've been talking about since the beginning. Um, you did not have them ranked very high. It seems like every week. Uh you see some value against them. And yeah. um, what's your thoughts now? So they started the season ranked 26th in the Massey Peabody ratings. They're all the way up to 10 now. And last week, they actually had the best game of any team all week in terms of my game grades. They edged out uh, Clemson for that. So, you know, last week I had them at like 141 to 1 to win the college football playoff. And they're up to 41 to 1 now. The big, the big reason, though, really is their priors. Just, I mean, the priors still after three games is pretty strong. And, you know, I'm not going to say that 41 to 1 is exactly right. I mean, it's an estimate. And the market is at 8 to 1, it seems like, at the Westgate and like 14 to 1 offshore. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to keep fading them. But um, but they're certainly moving up pretty quickly. So is are you saying that the reason that they are not um, moving up faster is because of the priors from last season? Or is it... is yeah, basically, basically, like priors still have a huge impact at this point in the season. So you don't want to, we don't want to overreact to a few games. Right. And this is something that I think is challenging about uh, priors generally from one season to the next, right? Which is that fundamentally, how much has the team changed that season? Certainly, it seems like there could be a, a time where the model breaks down if, if the priors are being weighted too much. Well, and as we mentioned before, knowing uh, information about the quarterback besides just whether a starting quarterback is returning would be helpful. But 
it's really, really hard to grade out individual players. And in the NFL, I do it for quarterbacks. But in college football, there really isn't – I don't know. You really don't know. I mean, Texas, for example, lost their quarterback, and or so Cade told me, and their backup is playing better than the starter probably would have. So you don't really – I don't know. It's it's very very tough, especially yeah, if you're doing it just quantitatively, at least. Yeah. So you mentioned that Oklahoma State um, edged out Clemson. Clemson obviously had a stellar performance against Louisville. Um, we've talked about them as as a team that is a, a little bit underrated by the model. I mean, by the market. Uh, probably not true anymore. Um, where do you have them now? Have they, have they moved or changed at all in your ratings? Yeah, well, Clemson had a great game last week, of course, and they have moved up. They've moved up into the second position in the ratings, I believe. Um, actually, they've moved up into the second position. Yes, that's correct. And uh, they also have moved up in my futures. They're up to 5.3 to 1 now, but the market seems to be right around there as well. Yeah, it's always seems like it's, it's pretty hard to get real value in futures. I mean, I know that even I think before the season, we were talking about Oklahoma State being like 26 to one by the market. So they're not they haven't even got to, you know, from your from your numbers where they were preseason. So, right. Well, I'll give um, you one huge change in, in my numbers, though. You know, I, I've been showing value on Alabama basically every week or at least a little bit of value. And last week, I think they, they got all the way up to 34 uh, percent or something. Um, it was like plus one eighty five. What does the market Sorry. have them? No, plus, uh, plus one eighty eight last week. Now I have them all the way down to plus three thirty seven, and it's not just. I mean, they won last week. They beat Colorado State. They they actually still played well. They were uh, they only won by eighteen, but they were up thirty eight ten entering the fourth quarter, and that game actually graded out as the tenth best performance of the week. But the problem is that their closest competitors all played better. You had Oklahoma, Clemson, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, um, all with better games. And so, and Wisconsin for that matter. So Alabama is still the number one rated team in the country in my model, but they've come back to the field a good chunk. Or maybe, or the, it's a combination of that and the other top teams coming to them. So jumping back to Oklahoma State and actually looking forward to this week, uh, they play TCU at home. They're an 11-point favorite. I'm assuming that you probably see some value in TCU. I do. I make that line a true line of five and a half. And what's interesting is that um, in the preseason, I would have made Oklahoma State only about a half a point favorite. And so we, we're basically seeing five points of movement between these two teams in the first, I guess, three weeks of the season. TCU's also uh, improved, but Oklahoma State, is, as, as we've said, improved a lot more. I got that at 13. I think it's at 11 now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's at 11 so, right now. But I still see value there. And, and then Oklahoma it, State can prove me wrong again if they'd like. I think this is going to be one of those longstanding, uh, what do they say, insanity is uh, doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. I think Oklahoma State betting against them every week, they may be like the the opposite of the Jets, where we bet on the Jets every week and we bet uh, against Oklahoma State. Uh, moving on to another kind of interesting uh, game this week. We have Florida State and NC State. Florida State is, uh, I think it opened at 12. It's up to 13. Um, it's a, you know, with, with the quarterback uncertainty or like new quarterback at Florida State. Um, I'm just curious what your model says about this. 
You're right. I mean, the quarterback thing is is tough to model, and and my model basically has it as about a three and a half point difference with without um, Francois. I don't even know the new guy's name, um, but I make that line fourteen and a half. It's still so. It, you I know, think his name is not Francois. Yeah, so I, I'm fine Francois. with that. We'll we'll go with that. as it's a good name. Um, but in terms of like the USC game, I was looking at your game grades, and it's pretty interesting that uh, SC actually was outperformed by Texas. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Now the one thing, the one caveat with the game grades is that they control for expected strength of opponent. So let's say you had. Um, let's say you had Ohio State play like Kent State or something, and, and they happen to have the exact same stat sheet, exact same play-by-play, exact same score. I would still have Ohio. I would have Kent State as the much better team because they played against a much better opponent. If that makes sense. So, like, if sense. it ended in a tie, basically, and they had the exact same peripherals, you would say that because of the strength of competition. That so, in other words, like in some respects, Texas is starting at an advantage. Uh, in your game grades by playing USC, who is ranked higher. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Do you think USC is o- going to be overrated based on sort of, you know, that that game and what they've done so far? I mean, I think they've been pretty overrated, at least in the futures market, uh, pretty much the whole season. They're, they're a really I mean, popular pick. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, having a big name guy like, you know, Sam Darnold, the quarterback. I think well, and it's a got, big name school, also. And a big so. name school, of course. Yeah, I, they're, they're maybe I'm just creating fifth. a false narrative for why some teams are overrated and why a team's underrated. But well, you don't create false narratives. You are an analytics expert. We don't we don't do false narratives here. Well, then our yeah, I mean, you have to create narratives, otherwise, no one would listen to this. I don't know we if anyone's wanna, listening, anyways. So that's a good point. Uh, okay, so. Talking a little bit about USC, then they are visiting Cal, who is a relatively surprising team this year in that they've they've you know they're they're three and zero. They they played well. They just beat an SEC team that they were uh, an underdog against. Um, that line I think is sitting at seventeen. 17. Uh, SC going into Cal. Is there any value there? I got nothing. I make it sixteen point four. Spot on. No, oh, so there's point six points of value oh, there. God, so much value. It's value. Uh, it's not value. Sort of... <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the NFL, where we're going to talk about overreaction city. Maybe oh yeah, make that new feature. Um, you were we're talking about the um, you know these teams that are zero and two. Uh, there there is uh, a chance for these teams that are zero and two still, right? Or or is there no chance? Oh yeah, there. I mean, I think they still make the playoffs. Like. 12% of the time. I, I read that number somewhere. I, I, I'm not actually sure about that. But yeah, there's definitely still a chance. Not a and great you, chance, but but it, it you, does seem... Sorry? No, go ahead. I was just letting you go. No, there's a chance. What I think... I mean, I've looked at, I looked at ESPN's FPI future numbers and Football Outsiders future numbers today just for some comparison to my Massey Peabody. And uh, what I saw was kind of... It, what looked to me to be a big, big overreaction to um, to basically each of the last two weeks and how their numbers have moved, and in my opinion, not really accounting for enough like dynamic uncertainty in their Monte Carlo Sims, meaning that just because a team is really good now doesn't mean they'll continue to be really good. If they play poorly next week, their rating's probably going to drop, and then you know it could 
it, it moves around. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to just simulate the se- the season with like New England as seven points better than average or whatever. You know, it's it moves around. They could end up in one of the simulations. They could end up being a completely average team at the end of the year. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, if we talk about New England, right? The concept that oh, after last week, they're they're back. Um, and you would you would say that they never went yeah. anywhere. Right? I mean, they they definitely like the thing is. There was some signal in their week one performance. Like they played really poorly, but they still were the number one team in the league after that, and at least in the Massey Peabody. And they've widened that gap. I think they're two and a half points in front of everybody else now after uh, playing a really good game last week. But getting back to the the overreaction in FPI and Football Outsiders, FPI actually has eleven teams with less than a zero point one percent chance of winning the Super Bowl, meaning more than a thousand to one. And you can only see their things to a tenth of a decimal. So, but you add it, if I added up all the other uh, all the teams that are greater than a t- uh, tenth of a percent, it adds up to a hundred percent. So basically, eleven teams don't have a chance, and those teams include. Um, the, the Giants, Giants, the Chargers, the Giants, the Chargers, the Rams. Like the Rams are one and one. Um, you know, Houston. Houston's one and one. Like those. I, I just, I just find that really hard to believe that can be at, be correct. And I don't think it's because the ratings are that the the, dispa- the spread in the ratings is that far off. I think it's you know meaning like the difference between like the best and the worst team. I think it's just their simulation fails to account for all the uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, it's again like not passing the laugh test, which is sort of unfortunate um, because they are the preeminent sort of analytics thing that people are looking at. Obviously, ESPN is behemoth and their FPI gets featured in a bunch of different places. And I I wish that they would think about these things a bit more before they just kind of like show them as as like law. You know what? They had New England is 34.7% to win the Super Bowl before the season began. And after one week, it dropped all the way to ten point eight percent. Like to me, that's—I I don't know that's how those crazy. two can. How do how do you reconcile those two? I mean, without without overreacting, an extreme amount. Yeah, and I, know. I guess I'm it comes sure. down and right there. I mean, I think it's all, it also comes down to not waiting the priors enough. Just like yeah, I mean, New England had a really bad game week one, but that doesn't mean you know they're a bad t- team. Just like you know, Jacksonville actually played well week one. That doesn't mean they're a good team. Uh, I thought they were, but now I've decided that <laughs> Blake Bortles may be the worst quarterback in the history of football. Did you watch uh, that? Speaking of overreactions and whatnot, uh, Seattle, uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL or too early to panic? Oh, you know, they, yeah, their, their defense um, has actually played quite well. They opened the year as the second rated team. They dropped to four last week, even after a win. They're all the way down to five now. Uh, the problem is their offense, obviously. 3.9 yards of play against San Francisco and only a 37% play success rate. But when I when you go back, it seems like every year Seattle has a few sort of dud games where the offense doesn't click, and then they manage to turn it on. And I actually looked at this quantitatively and found that over the last uh, two seasons, they actually ranked seventh and eighth in terms of the m- being most inconsistent uh, teams in football just looking at the variance in their game grades. So if that tells us anything, and I don't know if it actually does or if it's predictive, I mean, I, I feel like they're very likely to bounce back and they're still a top five team. So what do you think? I mean, I I anecdotally remember feeling a little bit like this about Seattle at the beginning of almost every season. They talk about the offensive line being bad and then they have this 
you know, game like last year, I remember it was their game against Atlanta um, where they were at home against Atlanta. Atlanta had looked great and uh, they came in and, and there was that like, uh, you know, th- their game against Atlanta was like a perfect like sort of like, well, they played them really well. And um, I-, I think they'll be fine. Um, I think it's it's hard uh, optically to to think about them. I mean, obviously them going into Tennessee and being a, a three-point underdog doesn't it's it seems a little weird um, but I think they'll be fine um, they seem to always figure it out and like you said their defense has played well um, I think the bigger problem that they're going to have is that Russell Wilson is having to run a lot and I don't know if that's sustainable for his health and if he obviously gets hurt then I think that that's um, going to be pretty bad for them that's a good point injuries do matter yeah, especially to your star quarterback who makes up a high percentage of your offense. So then if you said Seattle shifted down to fifth, your top four now are what? New England, Kansas City, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh with New England sort of having a pretty big gap again over the other two? Exactly. Okay. And then what um, about what about our Raiders? Uh, you know, they've, they've moved up to number 10, so that's something. I mean, I, I started them is a below average team. And the funny thing is, you know, they're moving to Vegas. So I kind of feel like I need to become at least a semi Raiders fan because I still like, you know, I associate with, with Las Vegas, but yeah, I don't, and I, I live, don't know if you watch ballers, but like, I've just finished I the, I've, I've like gotten caught up to speed on the show ballers. And basically like it, it, they're mirroring this whole move of the Raiders to, so I'm having trouble like distinguishing the reality versus, um, What's happening on that television show? So yeah, I saw the ad for it. It looked interesting. But <laughs> it's yeah, for, it's a pretty good show. <laughs> no, so I'm low on the Raiders though, mostly just because their defense. Well, and their defense was piss poor last year. It was the worst defense in the NFL. But somehow the perception was that it was actually okay. I mean, they have a few a few stud players. Uh, Khalil Mack. Um, yeah. Actually, I don't even know if there's any other stud player they have. But they their peripherals were horrible last year place they were awful in play success so far with through two weeks of the season their defense still has not been very good but the the difference is their offense has actually been very good both in terms of outcome and uh peripherally meaning that like the fundamentals underlying their numbers have been have been very solid i don't think their offense is getting lucky but i just think their defense is bad yeah so we'll we'll see as their competition steps up what happens with them um, before we move on to sort of our our you know false narratives, our myth busting, our faderade, is there any other value you see in college this week? Are there any games that you're kind of looking at? We're jumping are back to college. Or are we going to jumping back to college, and then we'll, we'll cover NFL when we do the uh, the super contest stuff. Besides, okay, besides TCU, I show. I mean, there's quite a few I show value on. Mississippi State's one of them. I make that line basically a pick. Mississippi State should be a three-tenths of a point favorite. Is uh, Georgia quarterback. That's against Georgia. Right. There's quarterback issues in Georgia. Um, so that that number won't reflect my massive Peabody ratings exactly because I make uh, quantitative quarterback adjustments myself. So I think that's it, plus five now. It was six and a half earlier in the week. Hawaii is... They were plus seven. That's down to plus six. But I make that number a true price of only plus one point nine. And I don't even remember who I was playing. I just remember I just wrote it down as a good bet. 
I know it's very helpful to the listeners. Hopefully they're not playing anyone because then they'll definitely win. Okay, so we got a couple college picks for you guys because everybody likes picks. So let's move on to Faderade and to our myth segment. So um, we don't want to do any. You don't want to do any NFL futures, Jeff? Well, we can. What are you seeing in the NFL futures? Uh, I so I wanted to talk a little about Philadelphia. They're sort of the team that I think the market hasn't really caught up to. I make them uh, about nineteen point seven to one. They. They graded out as number 10 in my game grades, both weeks one and two, even though they won one game and lost one game. Um, you know, They were basically played Kansas City to a stalemate statistically. They were just slightly worse. But they... Uh, I Well, I guess that's all I got on Philadelphia. <laughs> well, they're at 41 to 1, so plus 4,100. So if you have them at 19 to 1, certainly there's some value there. Um, Carson Wentz is a guy that uh, probably will improve throughout the year. Obviously, he's he's young and um, his probably trajectory is is going to be a little bit more up than um, a quarterback who's a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. Um, so I, I like that. I mean, I think. Def- Sorry, continue. Well, I think the one question with Philly is is Peterson and it's, you know, their coach. And I think it, it's potential that they're. The market is underrating them because generally, like the perception is that he is a really bad coach and doesn't know what he's doing. So um, that may be the reason that there's some value there. Well, they started hot last year, and people thought he was a good coach, and then down the stretch, they kind of came apart. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the classic bandwagon thing, though. It's become that thing where like everyone has decided he's not a good coach, so everyone just talks about how he's bad all the time. What about Tennessee? I mean, you had a guy there. Um, is it Mike Malarkey? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I could fuse some of these retread coaches sometimes in my head, but, but Mike Malarkey, like people said, he was an awful fit for Tennessee. You know, he he was not. This is his second head coaching stint, and he's like, I th- I think everybody thought he was going to get fired. Like Tennessee wasn't going to be good last year, and he was going to get fired at the end of the year. Um, I think a lot of people in Tennessee wanted him to be fired before that season even began, and he's turned that team around through running the ball. And I think well, actually that's another team that has some value in features. I make them twenty-seven to one, and they're an interesting team um, to talk mm-hmm. about at least, at least for futures because when you look at futures, you have to look at um, both team, uh, you know, field, other teams, and schedule. And Tennessee has the easiest remaining schedule, and they're in the easiest division. And I looked this up; their toughest games. They only have four games out of fourteen against above-average teams left. Those are against Seattle, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. So they are above an above average team, but the circumstances really, really help them. Yeah, they're plus 3560 is what I'm seeing. And so certainly if they make the playoffs, there's a ton of value there. And it seems like what you're saying with that schedule, that there's a good chance that they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I got it 61% to make the playoffs. Wow. Wow. With, with, and, and I'm only expecting him to win nine games. It's just that division is really really bad it is it's really bad all right uh faderade let's do it nfl scoring it's gone no more scoring unders is this signal or is this noise you know i don't know for certain nobody does i would say noise though it's looking through it it is kind of stunning how 
how much of a difference there is between this year and last year. I mean, the average game total through two weeks is only 40.3 points, which is the lowest since 2010. Sacks have been a big culprit. Their highest rate since 2006. I even looked at like formations. Teams are using shotgun and no huddle a little bit less than than average. Um, and if you look at passing yards, which is you know, the big driver of offense in this era, 220 pass yards a game on offense is the lowest in the first two weeks since 2010. But here's what's interesting, I think. Because it's the beginning of the season, we're quick to sort of say, okay, something has changed. There's a, a shift in a regime change. Well, there's this classic like demarcation, right? Like that right. makes like uh, it's acceptable to almost look at a small sample set. Right, but, but if this happened, if there were two weeks like this last season, nobody would have thought twice about it. It would just be like, oh, okay, those were two weeks where offense was down. Like, that happens sometimes. And I found, like, last season, weeks 13 to 15, teams averaged 230, 208, and 228 pass yards, respectively, in those weeks, which is lower than um, the 220 pass yards a game we've seen in these first two weeks. So that would make me inclined to say it's, noise but then again i don't know i don't know much about i mean if there could be changes there could the ball could be inflated a little more there's all sorts of things that i don't know so i you know you know i was watching since i'm uh i was in london last weekend and i was watching um you know sky sports feed of a game and the commentators there who by the way seemed way more informed than the commentators in america mentioned that there's only um they only get 16 padded practices allowed um, each team, 16 padded practices per season, like where you can actually tackle. So they were saying like, maybe it's due to the fact that teams aren't able to practice tackling. Like it sounds like a kid. Would it, wouldn't that make there be more scoring if they weren't able to practice tackling, they'd be bad at tackling. Right. Actually, that's a good point. Would be up. <laughs> that's a very good point. That actually seems like the biggest ridiculous false narrative that I've ever heard. Um, So, like, it's interesting because um, I think when you see a small trend like this, right, this is, like, where I think um, analytics is super interesting because the the goal of this, and one of the things I know that you do a lot, is is you try to figure out whether this stuff is signal or noise because if, if we want to gain an advantage in sports betting, it is about seeing and recognizing trends before they you know before other people do and you know the the question if with this is that is there a fundamental reason for this i think the most interesting thing that you said is like is there a decrease in usage of shotgun and no huddle is the pace of plays uh like if if this happens one more week i'm sure we'll both dive in and we'll see is is pace is like are teams running fewer plays are there you know, is there are people doing a more of a run pass split than they have in the past? Like, is there has there become a paradigm shift where people are like, okay, we got to go back to running, and that's causing this this whole um, this whole lack of scoring? Or is there or is there something happening with penalties where they're calling fewer pass interferences or something like that? I mean, these are the types of things that I think you have to dive into if you actually want to separate signal from noise. I think with only two weeks of of a trend, I don't think it it may be worth uh, diving in yet. I think certainly one or two more weeks of this and we really would want to see because we will start seeing this reflected somewhat in the totals. I mean, I think that this week the totals are down a little bit. I know that the model that we look at has uh, picked a few overs, which it doesn't typically do that much. Um, and Might uh, as well. 
Yeah. So well, it, it seems like the market is reflecting this. It does. Interestingly for me, I, I do some second half betting and, and the sec I had a bunch of unders both of the first two weeks in second half stuff, which it, it initially I was like, you know, normally it's a little more balanced. And so I was kind of concerned, but I think it really came from the fact that the first half fundamentally, the there were some fundamentals that were sort of under like that were predicting lower scoring based on, you know, that happened in the first half. So I think there is something to that, but uh, it is, it's, the thing is, there's always going to be, there are always going to be like trends like this that you're trying to figure out if they're real or fake. And I read a really good article by uh, our friend Ed Fang of the Power Rank earlier today. He sent me this article. Um, it sort of talked about the psychological, um, well, reasons behind us getting fooled by small sample size. And he said that there was an experiment where um, I think there was basically like a button or the, there was a blinking on the screen that happened either on like the left side or the right side and people had to predict whether it would be on the left or right. But it happened 80%. They knew that the base rate was 80% on the left side and 20% on the right. But people still tried to figure out if there was a pattern in there. And so ended up picking less than 80% or they, they actually ended up picking the left side, so uh, 80% of the time, whereas, and as a result, they were right less than 80% of the time. They should, like, whereas if they just picked the left every single time, you know, you're going to be right 80%. So it's almost like, for me, saying my model wins 55% of the time. Well, should I only follow my model 55% of the time? No. Like, there are going to be times when I'm wrong, but by looking to find, by trying to find those times when the model's wrong, I'm going to end up missing out on a lot of times the model's right in a way. Yeah. I mean, I think analytics is hard and there's a lot of reasons it's hard. And one is like understanding that 55% means that you're going to lose 45% and that's totally acceptable. That's part of, you know, part of having a good model. Uh, it doesn't right, mean you're wrong on. either. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, like that's the, Yeah. I mean, that's the problem, right, with with any of this stuff is that, like, it's the outcome is binary, but the probabilities are not binary. So you have a situation where, again, this is like when you're too results-based and you're biased, like, you can't, you have to look at large sample sizes to be really good uh, results, you know, based, you need to look at a long series of results, you can't look at one individual one to determine whether your model's good or not, obviously, and, and even, like, for us, you know, giving picks like last week, um, we were one and four in our super contest picks. And um, some of those were very ugly. Like the New England game was obviously very ugly. Uh, the Jets game, I wouldn't consider ugly. I mean, that that really turned on a muffed punt at the end of the uh, first half where um, the Jets were getting the ball back down 14 to 10 with a couple of minutes left and could certainly have have driven. They weren't they were moving the ball, but the muffed punt gave. Uh, the Raiders, the ball, in, you know, first and goal where they scored to go up 21-10 before halftime. And then it, it, we sort of never really looked back after that. Yeah, um, and the Jets, the Jets actually played a decent game. They were a little bit below average, but for the Jets, that's pretty good. In the game grades, yeah. at least. So They're just yeah. a little bit below average. Uh, so let's let's move on to uh, this week's uh, Westgate, this, the Super Contest picks. Um, unfortunately... I, as I open the uh, sports action app to look at the contest picks, I don't think the lines are up yet. So we're going to have to go off of the lines that, that um, we see um, within the sort of like sports books or whatever that we have. 
Um, for me, there's two games that I'm sort of immediately looking at that I find kind of interesting. Um, I'm, I actually like Cincinnati uh, plus eight and a half. Uh, I think that's there's some value there. Um, they've certainly played really poorly this year, and I will predict that they will score their first touchdown of the season this week in Lambeau because I know that the, the Packers are a little bit beat up. Um, but I'm going to take them as one of my picks at plus eight and a half. And then I'm actually going to take Denver um, minus three um, in uh, I, I just against Buffalo, going into Buffalo. Um, I'm really impressed with Denver. Um, their defense seems like it's obviously back. And the question with them was their offense. Um, I think that, again, like if you look at priors, I know that you have them ranked right now as, as about an average team, I believe. Um, I think this is a place where, you know, the, the improvement potentially of, of uh, Trevor Simeon um, and generally, um, you know, the, their their better health with like a C.J. Anderson. I know that you feel think that running backs are pretty under pretty overrated. Uh, but C.J. Anderson, I you know, anecdotally does a lot of things well. Um, he's a decent runner, but he's good in the blitz pickups. And it seems like they are, at least for the first two games, uh, a better team. So I like them at minus three, and I like Cincy at plus eight and a half as my two picks. Do you have your two? Um, yeah. Well, I, I, by the way, Denver, I have them as two points better than average. But I do think they they did look very good against Dallas. Like, I think they're the best team, uh, the best team all week. But they were at home, remember that. And every team can look better at home. They go on the road. Yeah. We'll see, though. Um, my two. I have... Okay, this one is my biggest edge by far this season. It's not the Jets, either. It is Arizona. They're getting, I believe, three points. Is that what you're seeing right now? Plus, yeah, they're getting three on Monday three. night. They're getting three. And you can get, like, plus three, plus one, or two at Pinnacle right now. So, um, three to three and a half. I don't know what it's actually going to end up settling at. But I actually think they should be a favorite and not just a small favorite. I think they should be a four-and-a-half-point favorite, Arizona. Wow. I think that there's – Arizona, I think everybody saw that they barely beat the Colts last week, but they actually played a much better game statistically than the Colts did. And they've struggled on offense, but their defense um, played very well. And I had them pretty high coming into the season. right? And they – despite uh, despite a loss week one to Detroit and – you know, a game that they barely won against Indy. They haven't really played poorly. So. Well, I mean, I, the narrative yeah. right now, that's everyone. You, well, you David can't, Johnson, like, obviously. To, no, no, no. You can't listen to something without people telling you how old Carson Palmer is. Yeah. Nobody realized how old he was before the season when they all thought Arizona was going to be really good. And in the last like uh, two weeks, he's aged probably like 20 years. And so now he's really old. There's so, so many old quarterbacks in the league, though. Roethlisberger's like 36 or 37. Eli Manning's 36. Brady's no, 40. But that my, my, my point, my point is that like... Four. Yeah, no, my no. My point it's is like, that it didn't really bother people that he was old going into the season when everyone was hot on Arizona. But all of a sudden now, because like you said, they've had like optically two subpar games. Um, you know, it, it, it turns out that Detroit probably is not a very bad team. And it turns out that, you know, that... They like you said they they overplayed what it looked like optically against Indy. What's what's your uh, fourth? What's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is oh let's see. I don't know if I want to take the Jets again, but I mean I do want to take the Jets again, but I uh, 
It's not very creative, but yes, the Jets at plus six. I make that line plus 1.6. I know everybody in the world thinks the Jets are a disaster of a team because of their offseason moves and dumping every good player they had and all that. And my model doesn't really know that. But there are always offseason transactions and additions and subtractions and teams that we're supposed to have gotten better on paper. I'm a Redskins fan. That seems to be the case. Like every year they win the offseason, or at least they did, especially in the early days of Dan Snyder. And they would always like crap the bed when the game was actually played. I remember a few years ago, Philadelphia had that offseason where they got um, like Namdi Asamoa and basically like they had the dream team and then they like went eight and eight. So I, I think that perception isn't always reality. With the with offseason moves and how a team is going to gel, and I'm saying that partly because my model doesn't factor it in. So it's, um, but yeah, I'm sticking with the model. Just all right. Six. Well, let's. We got one more then. And do you have a thought on what your one more would be? Mine would be. I if would you be left Redskins. It, oh, what would you? Yours be? would be the Redskins, huh? Be the Redskins. What would yours be? Uh, Redskins plus three against. I'll take that. I o- like Oakland that. Oakland traveling cross country. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like the. I like all the narratives there. Sunday night, Kirk Cousins, bad defense. Uh, yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Washington the, plus three. The Redskins, as a Redskins fan though, the Redskins are awful in primetime games. I, I remember there's being some statistic about how they hadn't like they're like one in fifteen. Maybe maybe it was just Monday night, but but I'll go against that narrative. All right, so Denver plus three, Cincy plus eight and a half. Sorry, Denver minus three, Cincy plus eight and a half, Arizona plus three, the Jets plus six, and Washington plus three. Hopefully, we can better our performance from last week, which was one and four and somewhat pathetic. All right, moving on to Survivor. Uh, We both survived last week. I had Oakland. You had Baltimore. Um, there are some kind of nasty games this week. Um, New England is obviously the safest pick, minus 13 against uh, Houston. Carolina over New Orleans is uh, another candidate. Pittsburgh at Chicago, another candidate. Philly over the Giants, another candidate. And Green Bay over Cincy. Um, those are really the four or five candidates that I, that I see. Um it's tough to use New England this early, but I really worry about some of those other games, obviously. Um, maybe Pittsburgh, again, like, but they're, they have a lot of future value also. Um, maybe this, let's see, the, the one maybe with the least future value of all of those is, is probably Carolina over New Orleans, but, and, or maybe Philly. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with, uh, I guess I'll go with Carolina over New Orleans um, as my pick. What about you? There, there really isn't much that I'm seeing. I basically I don't really show any of these any substantial favorites having line value, and I hate the narrative with Philly just because the Giants, you know, have are coming off two bad games, and they're not as bad as you know they're not as bad as uh, they've been. I hate to do the chalk, but I feel like. This week, there's such a separation in my numbers between uh, the probability of New England winning and the probability of every other favorite winning. Yeah. Um, that I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna take New England. 
Yeah, I'm probably going to take New England, and I, I have two survivor pools, and probably probably take New England in one of them, and I'll probably take like Carolina and the other. And I, I totally agree with you on the Giants, right? There is just this like this thought around. I mean, I actually our model sees some value in the Giants plus six this week against Philly. Um, as much as you like Philly, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not sure what your model says on that. I got it four point eight. Yeah, so a, a little bit of value, not a ton, but. All right, so uh, let's recap this week. Um, we touched on Oklahoma State, uh, TCU, where we see some value in TCU at plus 11. Obviously, we saw more value when that line was like plus 13. Um, no real value in uh, either the Florida State or USC games. Um, Hawaii, we don't even know who they're playing, but we see some value there. Mississippi State, we see value on them at plus five against Georgia. Um, we don't believe that scoring is is disappeared. We, we think that scoring is still a thing in the NFL, um, although we reserve judgment for another week, an, another week of data. Um, they see some value on Philly uh, at 41 to one and some value at Tennessee at 35 to one. Um, Tennessee is obviously very interesting because there is a very good chance you have it at something like 60% that they will make the playoffs. Um, and then our super contest picks this week, Denver minus three, Cincy plus eight and a half, Arizona plus three, where you see the most value um, that you've seen so far this season. Um, and then we get the stinky jets plus six and your Washington Redskins at plus three. And then in terms of survivor picks, um, I'm going with, uh, I think, Carolina, and you're going with New England. But this is definitely a time where taking New England may be uh, not a bad pick. So with that, um, thanks for joining us again. We're brought to you by the Sports Action app. Download it free on the iTunes store. Best way to track all your picks. Best way to enter your super contest picks. Um, and Rufus is out the door because he's going to go have a wonderfully Croatian. Pro, free Croatian. Croatian. We got a we got a Louisiana guy here who's cooking with a Croatian chef. It's gonna be great. All right. Well, we'll we'll get a report on how good that dinner was next week. Also, I'm sure that's why people will tune in. So thanks again, and thanks for joining us, guys.